Welcome back to Curb Your Podcast. Curb Your Podcast is part of the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out at DVRPodcast.com. You can also support this podcast, get early access and special stuff at Patreon.com slash DVR. My name is Axel, and with me, of course, is my co-host, the man himself coming in from sunny L.A., it's Sean. How you doing, Sean? Man, I, I actually want to correct you. Uh, the last two days, it's actually been overcoast in L.A., but um, wow. I'm surviving because I'm from the East Coast. Yeah, that's good. I know. It's So it's like, what, cloudy there and everyone is, what, really gloomy and wearing black? It was actually like a very light drizzle this morning. It was kind of hilarious because like everybody gets like seasonal affective disorder like the one day it's cloudy <laughs> I know it comes <laughs> that's something I've no I noticed from uh from the Twitter and yeah. also because you know I moved from North Carolina to Portland and I just kind of try to pay more attention to the west coast like you know once I knew I was moving or thinking about it which was like about a year and I just noticed yeah. how quickly people would change I'd be you know I mean, yeah. like, you, what, what the fuck, you motherfuckers? It'd be like gray for weeks in New York, or or hot and disgusting and humid, like you know, and yeah. and people wouldn't even notice it until like the third day. I went and got coffee this morning, and like everybody was dressed in black. It looked like everybody was going to a funeral God. that I wasn't invited to. That's hilarious. Well, you know, dude, I keep on hearing it, man. And it's like, you know, L.A. is pretty much the cultural capital of America now. You know, I mean, New, what's New York is like Trumpville. So it's nothing. It's, there's nothing left in New, New York's not cool anymore. L.A. is yeah. where it's at, dude. You're there. You're happy now. Yeah. See, I'm in Portland. I'm like... I'm like the weird cousin that has cool records and vinyl in his attic or something, you mm-hmm. know. But California's like the hot spot. You're in hipster city. I'm just like in a place where there's just a lot of diversity. Yeah, that's well, that's true. There's no diversity. Well, I shouldn't say there's no people. You know, you you just because there there's I mean, but there's like 95 percent white people or something in Portland. It is it is a very white place. But you know what? I'll say this to start off the podcast here. It's not, I don't know. I don't think Portland is as hip. Portland is not as hipster as people make it out to be. It's actually a lot of like just kind of liberal people with their own ideas. It's not, when I think hipster, I think more like 90s Brooklyn and shit, like early 2000, where people were trying so hard to be cool. Oh my you god! Know, like I they, lived that. Yeah. Well, so did I. And they would like, you know, you'd be like walk by someone on the street and be like, "Dude, why are you dressed like that?" You know what I mean? Like, just get over yourself. Or like people who all they did is like go to parties and talk about what project they're working on, and they never actually made anything. They just went <laughs> to a party and talked about it. You know. It was yeah. like, like, what What really is your art? My life is my art, man. I live in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> yes. I do remember jumping on buildings and shit in Brooklyn back then. But what are you going to do, man? Screw all that. We're, we're old fogies now, right? I mean, yeah. we spent the whole uh, beginning uh, prep for this podcast talking about indigestion. Yeah. Well, that's what happens, you know. Once you uh, hit your 30s, your body starts falling apart. And I just realized, I actually realized this morning that um, that I think I'm shedding. 
<laughs> You're shedding? I swear to God, I think I'm shedding. I have no idea what it is, but I just... I, I don't know. Maybe there's just not a lot of ventilation in my apartment. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just seeing more hair in the shower. Um, random hair in random places. It's it's a good thing I don't have a girlfriend because she would be terrified. Yeah, dude. I, I do have to admit that if I didn't take care of it, I'd probably have about like some five to ten inch hairs coming out of my ear or something. You know what I'm saying, man? Mm. You got to start like... See, I don't, you're you're losing it. I'm growing it, D- dude. That's my problem in life. I have too much just on my like head area because the rest of my body I'm kind of hairless, but my hair I have like a proceeding hairline. <laughs> like I think my hair, my hair, my forehead gets smaller as I get older, and yeah. I know that that's not. I mean, some people don't have as much hair. My hair is getting like thicker. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's getting stronger. It's trying to take over. Yeah. I'm not losing hair on my head. I'm losing it on my body. It's so weird. Mm. See, you're Irish like me, right? Yeah. I mean, your last name is Flynn. I would suppose that you're Irish. Uh, yeah, Irish people, I don't know, man. It's weird, the Irish, because it's like I have like, I'm not a very hairy dude, man. And I, I think I'm getting less hair as I gr- as I go on. Yeah, you know my dad. My dad would like have had like no hair on his legs. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was he didn't shave his legs or anything. Just not, not a lot of hair. I've been told that I have like the perfect amount of chest hair. I had the girl, a girl, <laughs> tell me that once. She said you have like the perfect amount. Like I don't have hair on my <laughs> back. I mean, I have hair on my legs. I have hair on my chest, but not a lot. And she's like, "This is really like the perfect amount." That's good, man. <laughs> That's your... <laughs> is that is that on your uh, Tinder profile? Yeah, you know it. The perfect amount of hair. Um, all right. So uh, before we get into uh, a little curb, which we will get to, of course. Uh, Sean, I think you really loved this episode this week. I liked it. I had fun with it. I don't know. I may have had. Um, my viewing experience was interrupted both times I tried to watch it. Mm-hmm. So I think that may have affected my, um, my overall opinion. And that happens in life. You know, you don't think about yeah. that, but, uh, did you get on at the comedy store this week? Did you have any shows? Tell us a little bit about your comedy career this week. Um, so right now, no, I did not get up at the comedy store. I didn't try though. I had to work the last two nights. So, um, I didn't go on Monday. Um, I'm actually going back to something here in a few weeks that I haven't done in a really long time. I'm actually going back, um, to do some improv and that's how I started. I started taking classes at UCB in New York and then this guy I worked with, um, his name is Matt Skye. And, um, he talked me into doing stand up, and I talked him into doing improv and, um, he did like one improv class and quit. And I ended up doing like stand up, and like, it went really well. And, um, I was, you know, I feel like at the beginning, it just felt like, oh, I feel like I'll have way more opportunities to be creative and get stage time if I do stand up. So I stuck with that. So, But what happened was, is um, I'm here in LA and I kind of always really wanted to take classes at the Groundlings. And um, that's where like, you know, 
Bill Hader was at before SNL, Phil Hartman, um, even Paul Rubens was there before um, he was Pee Wee Herman, as we know him. And um, so, yeah, um, I'm going to start taking classes there at the end of this month. And um, it's kind of bizarre. I had to actually audition um, to take classes there because they have two different tracks there. They have like a track for people who have you know, never really done it before. And then like a track for people that are trying to do comedy as a career. It's a pretty bold thing for me to say, but uh, no, I just, I really like doing improv. Um, and I kind of felt like when I was in New York, I didn't really, didn't really go hard at it. <laughs> I didn't really go hard at much in life back then. Um, so uh, you got to go hard or go home, Sean. Yeah. So um, I'm going to start taking classes there and uh, go from there, see what happens. That's awesome, dude. I think that's yeah. fantastic, man. Well, like, hey, so maybe Jeff, I'll go ahead. I was just I just maybe, uh, you know, not doing as much stand up. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's good to get back to the the um, base of the craft. You know, that's yeah. always a good thing to do. And also, as we see in Curb. Improv is where it's at, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I think about that way. You know, I'm a filmmaker. It's been a while. I've been home with the kid. But, um, I mean, that's how we met when I was at the People's Channel and doing the video stuff there. And uh, mm-hmm. I love, even with act, I mean, it doesn't matter, man. When you find someone who can turn it on, that's that's what works. And it's those people who really kind of hone the craft that can do it. You know, I think mm-hmm. in the outside world, uh, people outside the industry often think that, um, you know, somebody just has it or they don't. Yeah, no, there's a lot of work that goes. Yeah, you got to. It's a, it's a craft. You have to mm-hmm. be open to it. You have to live it. You have to kind of like you got to jump in the water is what I'm trying to say. Right. You got to jump yep. in the water and learn to swim. And that's great that you're doing that, man. All right. Cool. All right. Well, maybe we'll stop asking you. If you got uh, got up at the comedy store, and we'll just ask you uh, how you're doing, or what what should I ask you then? Now we have to change you, the fucking segment, Sean. Good job changing your life. No, you can continue asking. I'm still going to try to get up there. Just like, <laughs> but like this, the thing is, these the class is going to be on Mondays, so I won't be able to get up at the comedy store. Oh, okay. Uh, I won't be able to stand in line like. Um, <laughs> like like they do in communist countries just to eat. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's jump into the show. That's cool, man. I'm glad that you're doing that. That's awesome. I think about doing something like that. I'd love to get back. At, you know, that's how I started is doing uh, acting and improv and stuff. When I was a kid, my mom sent me to um, an acting school basically to get me out of the house after school. And I did that for like five or six years. It was great, man. Um, all right. So let's get into this episode. This episode is called thank you for your service. Uh, this episode was actually directed by the fantastic and curb co-creator. I think you could say Larry Charles, uh, of Seinfeld fame, the story by Larry David. And again, of course, Jeff Schaefer. And this episode features another league uh alum in uh uh katie it's hard for me to put Asselton or Aselton. 
I don't know how to pronounce her last name properly. But yeah, uh, I don't know her. Oh, she's awesome, man. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was in another movie I saw. Just the um, what was it? The House or something? I think she may have been in. Um, anyway, she's fantastic. So let's get let's get into the show. We're getting back in here. Let's get into some LD Leon. We didn't have any um, no Super Dave this week. Yeah. I always miss Funkhauser. All right, so um, we start out, and Larry is pulling into the golf, what looks like the golf club, right? Because I don't know if we've seen this uh, particular set before. Um, and he's suffering through uh, Sal, which is the gate guy, uh, telling him all about his boring stories about the Revolutionary War reenactments. And Sal, this this guy, his name is... I'm gonna. I, I can't pronounce anything this morning. Joe Ragalbudo. Joe Ragalbudo. Is that how you pronounce it, Sean? Um, no idea. Okay, Sean. <laughs> anyway, you Ragalbudo. Ragalbudo. Ra- I'm trying to see if it's Ragalbudo. Ragalbudo, or I'm. T- I don't know. Ra- it could be Ragalbudo. Ragalbudo. Okay, anyway, Joe, you know him from Murphy Brown. He's This guy's been acting forever, man. He used to show up more, I think, in the 90s. Uh, he got a lot of work. Um, but he was great in this role. I thought it was funny. And, you know, he's, he's tr- trying out his British accent, doing all that, as Larry tries to close the window, open the window, and finally Larry gets away. Uh, we jump to Jeff, Larry, and Richard Lewis having lunch. Larry's telling him about Sal. Richard Lewis wants his biography of John Adams back. And then the waiter approaches. Um, This guy, Neil Casey, he's a UCB alum. He was a regular on Inside Amy Schumer. Um, Larry says, uh, they give their orders, and then Larry says, he wants to change the order, but he says, if the chef makes a face, don't change the order. What are, do you feel bad when you change orders at restaurants? No, I mean, like, what do you mean? Make make it the way I want it. Like, uh, I mean, they usually will oblige, but yeah, sometimes some of these chefs are they can get real offended. Um, and who was that guy on? Man, I don't even remember the name of these like cooking shows. I'm not into it. There's just so many of them. But there's the French guy. He's got like restaurants here in LA. I mean, his name Ludo or something. Oh, like yeah, that. Ludo. Yeah, Ludo. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that would get pissed. Like if you asked him to change an order. But I think the average chef would be like, whatever. I think the average chef would probably be whatever because that's part of where, it, you know, where you're working. I guess it depends. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm kind of with Larry on this. I I say that even when I go into some, I don't know, just even like a local spot. I'll say, can you put that on there? Or I'll say, like, ask the chef if that's, if that's okay. Because I do feel like as a, a cook myself, you know, it's kind of like an art, you know? Yeah. I, I really do feel that way. And I feel like adding... Uh, when you add or subtract ingredients, you actually change the other ingredients. People don't mm-hmm. think about that. So I'm kind of with Larry on this one. I didn't feel, I felt like this was not 
I felt like this was not a very weird thing for Larry to say, actually. No, I didn't think it was weird yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, so, like, and I, I'm the kind of person, anyways, I guess, like, I'm, I'm the same way you are. Like, oh, yeah, can you switch this ingredient for that? I mean, I change it, too. But I usually drown everything out with hot sauce. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I can't, dude. I can't do hot sauce, man. My wife is a hot sauce lover. Um, then we jump back in. Jeff. Jeff says he's going suit shopping for his daughter's wedding. Uh, we remember that his daughter, Sammy, is getting married to a guy who doesn't have PTSD yet. Um, the waiter returns. He says he didn't make a face. So Larry says, okay, I want, you know, change my order. And one thing I wanted to note to say is there's always a, I, there's always a lot of eating in Curb. And oh, La- yeah. Larry's eating out a lot. And I, sometimes I think to myself, I, Larry seems like the kind of guy to me that would eat in more. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Because I feel like, like I'm the kind of person that, like, I don't cook. Like, I, have, I do have things in my fridge, but it's stuff that you just open and eat. And I would love to eat out every day. See, the only thing, like... Larry's like the ultimate lazy man. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, that's true. Except the only thing that he does that is not lazy is he actually drives. Because I feel like <laughs> if I if I had money like Larry David, I could just still Uber everywhere. Yeah, I would have a driver, dude. I would have a driver and I'd have like a van that I could kind of like hang out in the back. You know, like <laughs> I, I there was a movie or something I remember where the guy was like doing de- he was like driving around New York and he'd like do deals. So he had like a van mm-hmm. and people, he would pick people up and they'd get in the van and there's like an office inside the van and like he'd be doing his business. And then he'd drop them off. Like he'd come to you for a meeting. I kind of like that idea, you yeah. know, but I get your point. You're right. There's more like steps very lazy to go out and eat and he has so much money. How else are you going to spend that money? You might as well just eat out every day. Yeah. He should have a personal, I bet you in real life, Larry David has a personal chef. Let's get real. That, that is so LA. I have yeah. a personal chef. Oh, I'd have one in a second, dude. My wife and I talk <laughs> about that. When we talk about like, if we won the lottery, one of the first things both of us says is we'd get a personal chef. Yeah. Yeah, I would love, we were just like, we were talking before the show about eating. It's so, oh man, could you imagine that? You just get every great, and it's like great ingredients and shit. That, that's the bomb, man. That just makes you feel good. Yep. And a masseuse. <laughs> Definitely a masseuse. Paid, like, at least be able to afford one you could go to like once a week, because it's expensive to go to a masseuse. It is, man. It is. Health insurance barely covers it. Um, All right. So let's see. Okay. So um, we got Richard, Larry, and Jeff. They're chilling in the uh, restaurant here at the golf club. And over comes Ken. This is an actor, Andrew Segunda. He he actually is a, a writer, too. He's written for a ton of stuff. He writes for the Goldbergs, Conan. Uh, he's been on a lot of stuff. He starts showing the pictures of their ki- of his kid, and Larry says that the kid kind of looks Asian, and this makes Ken really upset, and Ken walks away, and of course, Richard Lewis yells at Larry. Um, 
Oh, you know, Larry was uh, being Larry, of course. <laughs> Your kid looks Asian. <laughs> Everyone knows. You don't say anything about kids. You just say, what a cute kid. You move on. Don't even ask. I'll tell you here, man, especially in Portland, where they love to let uh, a lot of boys have really long hair. And um, how many times my son will... And even like, you know, they just, you know, I mean, that's, I think it's the thing, long hair, short hair, guys and girls. And, uh, yeah. he's always, that's happening all the time where he's, where the parents like, no, that's a boy, but nobody gets pissed off. That's why I thought Ken should just laugh and shut up. This is, you know, there's one point to this show that this particular scene struck me as if you've met Larry once, you should never get upset at him again. Like Susie is different because that's their relationship. But if you're like some rando who kind of knows Larry and then Larry is the one at the table who says your kid looks Asian, you should just be like Ted Danson would be and just be yeah, like, oh, he, OK, Larry. Yeah, it's like he has Tourette's. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, like, <laughs> so like and he, and it, that's what's kind of funny about this show is that because we see Larry so much, we expect this behavior and we just shrug it off. When someone on the show like Ken gets mad at him, it makes Ken look like the asshole. Yeah, it does in a way. <laughs> it does, right? That's how I felt. I was like, Ken is an asshole. And then I was like, wait he, a second. Because he said, he's like, ah, it's a compliment. Yeah, it's a compliment. <laughs> he's like, I'm not saying anything bad. He's like, it's, uh, Asian babies are cute or something like that. He's hilarious, um, man. I always find it really funny because, like, sometimes, like, the whole ugly baby thing comes up in a lot of shows we watch. You know, I mean, I feel like it's a theme that comes up yeah. occasionally. People talk about ugly babies. But I wouldn't, I mean, of course, you wouldn't say anything to the parents. No, oh, but dude. You might in, but you might inquire. You might say, hey, um, <laughs> you guys going to have a second baby? <laughs> you trying again anytime soon? <laughs> Dude, I ran into this. Uh, I was at the park the other day, and um, I saw this this lady was standing next to me, and I can't remember why we were talking. Maybe my son was playing with her kid or so, whatever, and she had a little baby. And I said, oh, little baby, and then the kid turned around, and I won't say that the kid, the baby was ugly, but it was definitely a funny-looking kid. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of laughed a little bit when the kids are around. And I just kind of turned it into like, oh, what a cutie, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah I could have been like, that is one strange looking kid. A kid actually and looked a little like Slimer from Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. It's like a big, very large mouth. All right. So um, Larry is at home. Uh, we're, out, we're out of the restaurant. Ken has gone away. Larry's at home. The... the uh, the bell rings, and it's the mail carrier, and it's Katie Aselton of the league, as we said. Uh, and uh, she's also, uh, you know, she's married to Mark Duplass. You know the Duplass brothers? Oh, man, the <laughs> Duplass brothers. Come on. They're great. Um, they kind of hit it off, even as Larry insults her um, and insults her job as well. And then he also asks her, to just drop a book off to Richard Lewis since it's right down the street. <laughs> and at first I started kind of laughing at this. And then like so many things in curb, I thought to myself, it's a really interesting, uh, 
kind of uh, situation there, right? I mean, it's really just down the street, but she's You're right. You're going there anyways. Yeah, but that's like taking advantage of her job. You know, it's yeah. interesting. It's an interesting job, mail carrier. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, I wonder where they got that idea, because back in the day, you used to come and get the mail, right? Like whenever you watch you those, mean? like when you watch like Little House on the Prairie and all that shit, like when they finally get a post office in the town, everybody comes in and they go, hey, Joe. And Joe goes, here's your mail. You know, like they come and get it. Yeah. Now the yeah, mail comes to where, you. That's why the post office is in so much debt. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to hire a million mail carriers. See, this is what I'm saying. They got to reverse the post office. They got to yeah. start making you go get your mail. Yeah. If you want I, it, come no and get it. Mail. How about no more mail? That would be nice. Oh, man. That no would more be mail awesome. at all. Dude, I love that idea. I don't want anybody <laughs> texting me, calling me, mailing me anything. Just like, you should have one account that's like your mail account. And like, I mean, I just get so much shit in the mail. Well, dude, one day I mean, you will, you'll just have your, uh, you know, the little chip in your brain. Well, you'll close your eyes and go to contact or like <laughs> keep in touch. There you go. That'll come up. Well, I now that you say something completely weird like that, it did remind me of something that I thought of last week. I wish that, like, in the future, they could just like implant like, like your speaker into your ear, so like we don't have to hear you in your car. We don't have to hear your headphones that are too loud. Just put implant right in the ear, so we don't. Oh, have to they hear. will. That's definitely going to happen, dude. Without a Ugh. doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, I was in this sauna the other day, and like this guy was playing his music, and I was like, "Man, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but people in the sauna want complete silence. That's what we want. We don't want to hear your music. We don't. That's why people go to the sauna. <laughs> exactly. It's where I center myself. <laughs> I center myself there. You're so LA with your sauna. You're sauning it out. Larry should be in there. They've had a scene in the sauna. Remember that? Remember the sauna scene? Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's see. So she says free mail is illegal. Larry says, don't stickle. Don't be a stickler. And I love their interplay. This is a good. See, this is like, this is what I've been enjoying this season. And I have to mention too, this episode, no fatwa. That's right. There was no fatwa. Not even a mention of it. I don't think there was nary a mention of the fatwa. But I don't think it's dead, though. I think it's going to come no, back. It'll be back. But this was a good scene, man. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I, if I had one thing to complain about this season, and people are, it's kind of a, a curb has got a mixed reaction this season, even critically, you know? People were really getting psyched for it to come back. And I think maybe it's the political environment. Maybe people expected it to be more political in a way or touch on more um, relevant topics, even though this episode really does. Uh, But for me, I think, and it's a problem I actually had with the league, and I don't want to blame Jeff Schaefer because I think he's a very talented dude, um, uh, only because that's the connection. But I feel like they're trying to cram too much plot into these episodes. You know, like, honestly, I could have just had Jeff, Larry, 
uh, and Richard Lewis have lunch for 15 minutes. I don't care. Just people come and talk to them, you know, and they just yeah. riff. I don't care. I don't need everything to it. To, I don't need there to be the slappy comeback and like it all to come back. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be so gotcha or th- not really gotcha, but, or I don't know, clever, like, See how we tied it in a bow? I don't care. It can be loose. It can be fun. That's what yeah. I... I don't know, man. But, I mean, I, it's obvious that they're having fun making this show. That's one thing I'm noticing this season is that in this season, in this scene with um, uh, Katie Aselton and in the in uh there's another scene a couple of scenes with Jeff uh with Jeff and with Richard Lewis uh Larry really looks like he's having a great time yeah he's laughing you know they're just keeping it in especially when it's with Richard Lewis he's always laughing at him um and i just i don't know i feel like maybe this that's what that's what is kind of getting me is I feel like maybe they're just instead of hitting maybe one, two, three things, they're kind of hitting like six, seven, eight things. Huh? Like this episode is, this is a, this is like, there's a lot in this, you know? Yeah. Like you think the mail carrier could be the whole episode, but then you have, and the kid and the club, you know, it's like a lot, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so um, let's see. Uh, now we're going to jump to Jeff and Susie having a party. Susie's bragging about her new kitchen as Jeff laments his affair. You know, he thought, I thought it was a good idea. And then Richard Lewis tells Larry that uh, he got the book. And then they started to talk about how, and Larry says this, which I agree, is for a man... No profession is off limits. A woman could be any profession and you'd go for her. And I completely so agree. With, it's so true. Yeah, it doesn't matter for us, but for them, definitely. There's a, there's a, they, like, like, like I said, it doesn't matter for us, but for them, they care. They care. <laughs> Not they everyone. Do. I mean, you know, as a guy who spent quite a few number of years as a quote unquote starving artist, uh, I I had quite a few, oh, you know, I girlfriends who really didn't care, but I think that overall, the way society is, I think that is kind of true. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll say this much. Um, I think that on uh, on average, the number of questions it takes for a woman to get to what does he do. And a guy to get to what does she do is it probably takes longer for the dude. Yeah. Right? Agreed. You might ask, like, what what is she like? Does she like to hang out? You know? Is yeah. she into movies? Does she drink? Does she smoke weed? I'm always kind of like, what's your do you have any hobbies? And it's yeah. always like if she doesn't have a hobby, I'm out. You don't have a hobby? Like, <laughs> You know who doesn't have a hobby? Ew. My wife. My wife really doesn't have a hobby. 
nothing she doesn't like to read or anything like that yeah she does she does but nothing that she's obsessive about okay well, uh, i guess i mean it's a little bit different when you're married and you have a child you true, don't really have time true. for hobbies true the kid is our hobby you're Basically. right about that you're right about that that's a good point um all right so uh Richard Lewis says that he dated a garbage woman and Larry gets mad. I thought that was just a funny little point. It's, it doesn't really mean anything in the show, but it was just funny the way Larry's like, why would you lie about a garbage woman? Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Larry's getting upset about that. I just thought that that was kind of, that's what I mean. Like that scene could have went on for 10 minutes. Yeah. I would have been totally fine. Uh, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, yeah, maybe it's just. Maybe they're doing a little bit too much pre-production or something, or maybe it's too. Or much. maybe, wait. He said he, it was a lie, though. Well, Larry just said you didn't date a garbage woman. He just started kind of getting mad at him. Yeah. Well, maybe it was improvised, and he was just like, "Yeah," and they just kept it. He in. got mad at him. Yeah, and he was just like, "You didn't date him. <laughs> like, because there's the thing about improv is like you're supposed to say yes and to anything, but. Uh, in a way, Larry always doesn't yes and. So, I mean, he could have been like, oh, that's a, that's a terrible choice. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Larry's you know? good like that. Like, he'll challenge. Yeah. You didn't date a dar- garbage woman. That's interesting. I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Kind of how he subverts the basics of everything, you know? It's like Seinfeld. You flip it. Mm-hmm. Um... So uh, Larry and Susie then argue, get into a big argument about uh, a save the date because Larry's like, I got the wedding invitation. She's like, it wasn't an invitation. It was a save the date. Uh, I agree here. Enough with this shit. Weddings suck, dude. I'm sick of them. Been to a few, huh? I, I mean, I, I haven't been to that many weddings, but I just feel like I had a my last experience at a wedding of my friend Aaron was fantastic. But I just all the pageantry, I'm getting a little bit tired of it. Just send one thing. Tell me when to show up. I, I agree with Larry. You're gonna yeah, send, send the invite. Yeah, send, send the invite. Save the date. What the, What do you think I do when I get the invitation? Not save the date. Right. Yeah. So what's the point of the invitation? Well, maybe sometimes they nail down like the date, but they don't have like all the arrangements, like the time and the place settled yet. You know what I mean? Okay, I think I agree with you, but that's not that's where it came from originally. But that's not how weddings happen today. Yeah, people, that's not how it happens. You don't have a date until you have a place. Yeah, you know. So, whatever. I agree with Larry. Uh, and then he does this weird little grape catch, like where he throws oh, yeah, the grape yeah. check, in the mouth. Check it out. <laughs> like it's like some big deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious, man. It's the little things. All right. Yeah, I think. So then um, uh, Victor and Sammy arrive. And little known facts here. Do you know who Victor is? Uh, I just saw in your notes. Okay. Um, I had no idea that it was him. Yeah, it's Chet Hanks. It is Tom Hanks' son, a.k.a. Chet Hayes. He is the rapper. He is Tom Hanks' rapper son. And Sammy has grown up to be Larry David's daughter, Cassie David. Yeah. 
she That's is crazy. gorgeous. Yeah, I, I, she dates. Um, you know, she dates. Uh, what's his name? Pete Davidson from SNL. No shit, really. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He quit smoking weed too, man. And he ha- he's got some issues, that dude. Oh yeah, he was yeah. on um Mark Marin and he was suffering uh I shouldn't say, I don't know if you say suffering, but he was diagnosed with um uh the same thing that Brandon Marshall uh formerly of the Jets has. Um it's like a personality disorder. Huh. Uh, but he was real honest about it. Good for me. It seems to be getting help, but yeah, she doesn't have any speaking lines though, which I thought oh, was interesting. Didn't even notice that. Yeah. Cause I was, and she's uncredited. Huh. So that was kind of interesting. Maybe she just, maybe she doesn't, maybe she's not union or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, they arrive and everyone goes around thanking Chet for his service and Larry doesn't do it. He just says, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, then Victor kind of takes a step back. He gets kind of choked up and he leaves. Um, Sammy goes running after him. Uh, and uh, everyone gets like kind of a little bit upset, like, what the heck's going on? You know, you... and then Larry uh, immediately, without hesitation, asks Susie to broil his fish and she kicks him out and he kind of just leaves. And I love it when she <laughs> kicks him out of the house. And he's just like, okay. And everyone else is just like, they just accept it. See, his real yeah. friends know. It's Larry. Yeah. Um, let's, get, let's get into this. What do you think about this thanking him for his service, Sean? You know, I, I, personally, I'm all for it. I, don't, I think that in this situation, it wasn't that big of a deal. Of course, in Curb, they're <laughs> going to make a big deal out of it. Um, I'm all for thanking people for their service thing in uh the military for their service i'm also for thanking prostitutes for their service too <laughs> so just want to do that no but i i feel like it's kind of weird because one thing that i noticed is people never did this before 9-11 never 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 uh this became a thing after 9-11 so Dude, it's very is, yeah this is like so much stuff in America and we don't need to get political. This is a fun show, but yeah. you know, like standing for the anthem at a foot, like the football games, dude, come on. I grew up going to jets games. Let me explain to you what half the giant stadium was doing during the national anthem, <laughs> placing bets, smoking joints, all these. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I look, I went to the game with my father and his uh, Marine friend and they were not disrespectful, but if somebody talked or somebody, you know what I'm saying? Somebody had to take a piss. Nobody got all bent out of shape. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And plus, they never televised it. Yeah. So you're right. Things kind of, I think that's a point here is that it's like, you know, it's like so much a curb. It's funny because the I like, like Larry could also say, it's like, what do you, what do every time I see a doctor, do I thank him for his service? Every time no, I, I see mean, a teacher, like a, do I thank them for their service? I mean, yeah. look, of course, we all think that uh, what a vet goes through and uh, what a person has sacrificed and the choices that yeah. they've made, and we respect that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I agree with Larry. <laughs> I do. There was like three three consecutive thank yous for your service. So yeah. Kind of like, hey, dude, look, you know, I've done like, hey, this. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I've done I think, this. I think, yeah, I don't think um, in real life people would get 
completely upset like no, that. And they don't. No, because um, that's what I'm saying. I can remember. I, I've done this plenty of times where there'll be a vet and like people around me say, thank you for your so about, and I'll just be like, Hey man, nice to meet you. You know, I don't, they already did it. You know, what am I being? I'm not purposefully not doing it. Yeah. I'm just feeling an obligation. And also if I was, you know, if I was this guy, I would kind of say to Larry, Hey, I like you, Larry, you treated me just like a dude, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just, I just want to say that the whole, uh, (laughs) The Chet Hanks uh, reaction was uh, was great. It was like, great. That's why I'm was like, he just gets upset and he's like, you know, I gotta leave. Like, I thought that that's hilarious. why I started laughing, dude. As I was talking, that's like, what makes it funny because you know, in real life, that is not how yes. a vet would react. Of course, no, it wouldn't give a shit, dude. Nobody would give a shit. You think, you know, a guy who's been in combat is gonna be like. Oh my God! You know, you didn't thank me for my service. You know, he's gonna. You know, he's been in some high uh, stress situations, and I don't think uh, that situation would count as that. Yes, it's a social pleasantry and nothing more than that. You know, and uh, it's like a uh, funny. Did you see? Um, uh, uh, my wife and I. I got a chuckle on uh, watching Stranger Things how they kind of go out of the way to show one family is like the Reagan family and another family has, um, uh, what was it? 84. So it's, uh, Mondale, right? Uh, Mondale sign. And, um, the, uh, when the FBI shows up at the Reagan house, the father's like, yes, hello. Yes. We're, we're Patriots. (laughs) We're (laughs) true. We're true Patriots. Okay. And the FBI guy's like, yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, thanks. All right. So, um, look at us. We're getting political here. Okay. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. And Chet, Chet Hayes did great, man. That was really yeah, I good. It, I thought it was great. I, I found this that, like dude said, to be funny, man. They made it like they, like they like took like something that's very common, commonly said, and they made a big deal out of it. It was which good. Is yeah. That yeah. was good. Um, so Larry's on a date now with uh, Gene, the mail carrier, Katie, and uh, they start talking about how she needs a caddy. And while I was watching it, I'm thinking to myself, she is the caddy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, sometimes they have those like, um, it's like a stroller. Yeah, they push it. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's hauling their, their day's worth over their shoulder. Yeah, it's like that three-wheeler cart that they have. Yeah, yep. Um, and then she talks about wanting to mi- do this popcorn mix. I kind of like this scene. I just like their interplay. She reminds me of Cheryl. She uh, mm-hmm. And in the league, she was so funny because she is really good at just deadpan and also being mean. She's yeah. really good at being mean. Uh, and funny at the same time, which is, I think is a hard thing because I think a lot of times people are too mean, but she's just like kind of direct. I really yeah. like her. Um, uh, but I don't like this. I don't want that shit. I've had it a couple times, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. Would you mix all that shit with the popcorn? Whatever. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, uh, I'm probably not going to buy any of that shit in a movie theater. Are you kidding me? That was like an hour of pay for me. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, all that stuff. But whatever. I mean, 
There, I mean, there are mixes and stuff like that. So I, I didn't feel like that was too much of a stretch. Yeah. But he's like, you can't mix sweet and sour or whatever he said. Yeah. This kind of, this is funny. Cause this is kind of an old dude thing, you know, because today, as we know, like ice cream, everything is mixed with a ton of shit now. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nothing. I'm coughing a lot today. Sorry, folks. I'm trying to turn away from the mic. Um, and then, uh, uh, so uh, she wants to do the mix. They talk. She goes like, what is Larry gets the food? She goes to the bathroom or something. Then Larry can't find her in the theater. He makes a huge stink out of noise. This is like, this is sometimes I think they don't make reference to Larry's age a lot. And like the age of everyone on this show. But as we, and everyone who's watching it, this is like the oldest show on television. These people are older than like the people on 60 minutes. And, Sometimes Larry does some scenes do just make him out to be like a doddering old man. And I felt like this was one scene that did that where he's just making a big stink in the movie theater and being an idiot about it. And then she mixes the popcorn and the candy. It's a bad date. And this was great, though. Just when he mutters, he just sits. She mixes it. She takes the popcorn. He just looks at the screen. He goes, what the fuck is going on here? And it was a great line because it does. it's not only him looking at the movie, but what was happening in the scene. Yeah. So that was one, one uh, a part that I thought was good. Did you like this scene overall, or what did you think? Any points that, uh, as a comedian, you appreciated? I asked her to get, my thing was, he asked to get her to get him an aisle seat, and she didn't do that. I'm surprised he didn't make a big deal. He never made a big deal out of that. Yeah, that's true. That maybe that's yeah. That would have been a bigger deal for me. Like it's not that I couldn't find you. And he's like, Oh, you should be waving, you know. I mean, yes and no, but she never got he specifically asked for an aisle seat. I have to sit in the aisle when I go to a movie. Yeah. I can't be I can't be confined like that man are you in on a plane are you an aisle seat or a window seat oh i gotta always be in the aisle of it i'm six foot four 250 dude i gotta i'm like a big yeah. dude i gotta i can't be in between people i was once on a uh, flight back from amsterdam this is no joke they sat me next to a dude that was about six foot eight 300 pounds he was like an offensive lineman and on the other side oh of God. me was um a woman who was about six foot two. They sat and we were all the largest people on the plane and we we're all sitting together and we all just looked at them and said, Hey, can, maybe we should switch seats like as a joke. Yeah. And they were like, no. And we all just kind of laughed and were like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. get too mad. We were, you know, <laughs> we were just like all in each other's seats. It's like, what are you going to do? You know? You put the three oh biggest God. people together and they, I don't know if they, they might've moved us there. Maybe they were having weight issues. I didn't think about that. You know what? This is going to sound really screwed up, but I'm going to say it because of, you bring up the plane thing. I had a dream last night that I was in a plane crash, but I survived. <laughs> There's your random thought for the day. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, so Larry drops uh uh what wait what was her name? I I'll just call her Katie. He drops Katie off. Uh he knows the date went bad and uh he tries to he tries to initiate a reset here. 
Uh, you know, let's yeah. just go back. You be the mail carrier. I be the guy. I got to see you six times a week. This is going to get awkward. I can't, yeah, I can't date someone that I see six times a week. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. <laughs> well, also, I mean, he knows it's going bad. You know what I mean? And I like I like that about Larry. He doesn't bullshit. Um, and she just says no. She says we, there is no button. And I love <laughs> I loved her response here, right? Because yeah. This is like you're talking about kind of, you know, the rules of improv, right? Mm-hmm. And to say yes and and to and to agree, like, don't don't shut it down. Keep it moving. Open it. Make it bigger. Right. Don't tr- yeah. don't make it smaller. And she does. She pulls the Larry and he's tr- trying to have a conversation about it, explain it. And she just stares at him. She's like. This is like this concept. You're inventing this. We can't. There's no. It happened. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Which I which I really kind of love because so much of what Larry talks about are these social conventions that are unspoken, but are in some cases vehemently uh, agreed or disagreed upon. You know, but every once yeah. in a while in order to suit his own needs, he'll invent some kind of social convention that no one else has ever heard of. And then he tries to act like it's a real thing. Yeah. Right. Like there is no reset. We all know that in (laughs) life. You don't shit where you eat. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Um, so, uh, now Larry's back at the club, uh, with Sal. And after a, um, a, a, a misfire on the reset with uh, the mail carrier, he tries a reset with Sal. He's going to double down because, of course, that's what Larry does. And uh, it ain't happening. Uh, Sal yeah. gets pissed off. Uh, he's offended. And then Larry tries to reset the reset. And that ain't happening either. So now yeah. we jumped to uh, what? Oh, do you have, do you have something on this one, Sean? Well, I was going to say in general about like the people you interact with. Um, the other day, I was I was getting a sandwich in Whole Foods, and um, you know this girl behind the counter, she was making it, and um, we there was a quick chat. I forget what we were talking about. So I, I saw a woman get thrown out of whole foods which was funny so i was like oh did you see that why did that happen kind of thing and she starts talking and she just keeps talking and she keeps talking and she starts telling me um how she got this drunk driving accident but um she got out of the dui and like she's just she's telling me she's just going on and on forever and then like literally after like 15 minutes i was like so can I get that sandwich? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love a little chit chat, but my God, some people just go on forever. Uh, yeah, I have to admit that I, uh, I, I tend to do this. Uh, and I also think it's kind of funny that Larry, of all people, <clears throat> the king of bringing up minutia in every social situation is going to get mad at this guy. Yeah. That was kind of funny, but uh, people but, do keep, people do yapper. I'm I'm a listener, dude. I'll just my wife gets mad everywhere we go because I'll just start talking to people. Or if someone if 
I am I have a fascination with listening to weird people talk. So like if a weird person starts talking to me in real life, I love it, dude. Yeah. Like not not like raving drunk weird, but just like an a person that's kind of off or starts expressing like weird opinions to me. I'll just sit there and get into a conversation with them about it, you know? Yeah. I find I that fascinating. I had a guy this morning when I was getting my morning coffee and uh, I hadn't showered yet. So I threw on my Mets hat and I had my Mets hat and this guy just stops me and he goes, why are you, why would you live here when you could be in New York? And I was like, Oh, you know, and then just started talking to this guy clearly was from New York. He's originally from long Island or whatever. I love it. Older guy. Turns out he somehow like he said he used to work for Sam Kinison and like all this stuff. And it was very, I have like no idea if this guy's telling the truth or not. And, um, but he did like the weirdest thing. He said that, I think he wrote some movie that was about like a dog or something like that. And every person that walked by with a dog, he would stop and he would say, what's your dog's name? And it was just like the funniest thing ever. And like people would tell him, it was always these really tiny dogs. And then the last time, last time, right, right when I was like, I need to go, right before I said this, this guy had walked up and it was like literally the fourth person he asked her, he goes, what's your dog's name? And the guy looks at him, he goes, you ask me that every day. And I was like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That dude, that's like a curb scene. Um, uh, so uh, let's see. Now Larry's inside the club. He's sitting and eating with Jeff. Uh, and Jeff is explaining that Victor is still upset. You know, he says he loves Seinfeld, blah, blah. Then Larry comes up with a genius idea. He'll like kind of pull a double. Um, maybe he can uh, take Victor to uh, Sal's reenactment, right? So... This kind yeah. of th this is something that I I think that they lost something on here because when I rewatched it when I watched it I thought this, and then when I rewatched I thought this, and then when I watched the show, they never really mentioned it. It seemed to me that Larry was coming up with this idea because he thought it would smooth things over with Sal. Um, no, I mean I think it was kind of like, hey, oh, I have this genius idea. Yeah. Sal says he does these reenactments. And I could take Victor to one of these. I thought it was more about Victor, not okay. Sal. Okay, see, but... that's yeah, that's where I got kind of mixed up. I thought he was trying to please no, was... Sal too. Um, no, he was trying to please because he doesn't tell Sal. Remember, he never. Tells yeah, I Sal. know, right? And then that's what leads to our finale. But you're trying to think. You're almost thinking like Larry, where like. Larry didn't even think about it. He yes. could have been like, oh, yeah. I could have used, used this to get Exactly. Larry fucked up. On his way out of the club, he should have said, Sal. There should have been a scene where he said, Sal, I thought about it. You know what? I'm coming to your reenactment. I've always said I'm going to come. I treated you bad. I want to live a little in your world. You know? And then, but then they probably would have had to add another scene where he did something to insult Sal once he got to the reenactment, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe it would, uh, you know, it could have been just something as little as he had the wrong. He's like, Oh, I thought you, when you were British, you meant you were American British. You know what I mean? 
because they talked about the accents. I'm just trying to th- take a peek inside the writer's room here. But um, it seems like this may have been retconned. You know what I mean? Like they came up with the yeah. end and then they went backwards and they couldn't fit that part in. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Larry gets beckoned to the club owners, Mr. Takahashi, who we have seen before. I think he was, I think that was season four. No, no. Season five or six. Um, he's been on the show before. Uh, this is uh, actor uh, Dana Lee. Uh, he's been in tons of stuff from Rambo to Dr. Ken. And like I said, this is his second appearance. Um, who's the manager of the club. But Larry runs into the chef, who is Jordan Black. He's a, he, He's been in a ton of stuff, too. Community, ballers. He asks about the fish. Did he make a face? They compare faces for a while. Then Larry confronts the waiter. And I just, I don't know, man. I This is where I'm looking at this 34-minute runtime of this episode. And I'm thinking, like, this just, I, this just didn't work for me. Oh, the between him and the uh, the waiter, or him and the cook, the whole thing. The whole thing. They could have yeah, just it cut was, it completely out of the show. The waiter, it wasn't like everything. Yeah, the whole the whole face thing. Yes, yeah, it wasn't I, I didn't funny. Think it was that funny. Yeah, no, it, it was okay. It, it yeah, it was kind of. It was a thing that maybe it, they were having fun when they were doing it, but I can't imagine people on the set cracking up. I mean, I don't know. It just didn't get, I don't know. It just didn't make it. I didn't think it was fun. It was like an extraneous seven minutes. To, people don't want to hear about the, like, what did his face look like? They want to see it. They don't want to hear it. It was like conversation. Yeah, and then even when they people. were making the faces to each other, it just didn't, I mean, my, let me, uh, I let my son watch a little of Curb. Okay, people, he's only five. Don't get too upset. He's heard fuck before. I'm his father. Um, and he wasn't even... I, I wanted to actually see if he laughed at this, you know? And he didn't think it was funny at all. He thought it was boring. Even a five-year-old. So, hey, hit or miss. Yeah, the, fa- the faces weren't that funny. Yeah. Like, if you're going to make the faces funny, they weren't funny. <laughs> No, not funny. Um, but you know, it's all right, Larry. We love you. So uh, now this scene I loved. This is great. Larry comes into Mr. Takahashi's office. Um, and this was this. I love the way they shot it. It it reminded me of uh, Jay Peterman's office or, or Steinbrenner from Seinfeld. Uh, I mean, Larry Charles directed this episode, so I'm pretty sure that they did this on purpose. I thought it was great. Um, Mr. Takahashi heard about the Asian kid comment. He says punitive action will be taken later by letter. And then uh, uh, he says it'll happen. And Larry says, when? He says, soon. When is soon? Everyone knows what soon is. (laughs) this is classic curb i loved it i could have seen this scene go on for longer this was funny because i started actually thinking to myself what is soon i hate when people say that to me see you soon (laughs) see you soon is that a threat or a promise yeah when people say see you soon it's really not anytime soon usually no, it's not. Actually, you're right. That's actually okay. soon could be soon could be in two hours from now. See yes. you soon. 
Yes. Or yep. it could be in two years from now. See you soon, and then I don't talk to you for months on end. Because if you know when you're going to see the person, you say it. You say, see you at home. See you later at work. You know, right? See yeah. you at the club. See you at dinner. I'll see you on Friday. I loved it. I thought this was great. And I loved Mr. Takahashi. I thought he had a perfect mix of that kind of harshness, uh, but humor. We're now, uh, Larry is at home and we get to see Leon on this scene. Uh, uh, he's asking Leon where the mail is. We kind of figure what's happening here. He calls Richard Lewis. I love this phone call because he says, did you get your mail? He goes, yeah. And he just hangs up on him. Um, <laughs> I love their relationship. Uh, they realize they realize they aren't getting mail, and this this leads to another nice little you know improv here. Leon's talking about I haven't had a whopper for three years, you know, and then he starts getting into she has a root, she, she has a root, um, and then Larry says that the uh, U.S. Post Office should change its motto to neither rain nor snow nor heat nor spite. Yeah. Uh, then they get into a, this. I mean, this was great. There's so many little little parts here. Um, Larry, uh, uh, Leon laughing at Larry, saying he didn't tap that ass. And then Larry walks away. He's like, I didn't tap it. I didn't tear into it. I didn't hit it. Uh, this. What do you think? I like these scenes with him. And yeah. Leon. Yeah. He's just like, I love how like Larry tries to be so cool. <laughs> like. Just to be like Leon, yeah, didn't tap it, didn't touch it, and didn't do nothing, you know. And, <laughs> and they, they're, it's yeah, always, and that, that's, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's always true, though. I guess whenever you, whenever you insult someone like that, they probably they take it so personally. Like, oh, let's hit a reset, me and you. Let's, you know, I don't. Let's just pretend I never met you. Yeah. And that's, uh, and, and that's, yeah, that's an interesting point that, um, uh, 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 Leon and Larry are thirsting for this shit, but the guys, these guys got to learn, man. Now, oh, the one thing I was surprised about is, um, I thought Leon would have already brought somebody to start having sex in Jeff's house. That's probably going to happen later <laughs> in the season. I keep on waiting for that to happen. I don't know why that just popped into my head. Uh, okay, so anyway, um, we go from that scene. Larry realizes he's not getting his mail. He's flustered. Now he's going back to the club. So he gets up to the gate. Sal's there, and he just shuts it down. Uh, Larry wants to try to get the letter from Mr. Uh, Tagahashi. He can't get that. Not only does he, he doesn't really need to get it because Sal tells him that he's not allowed to come back to the club. So he's basically been kicked out of the golf club. Um, Larry again tries to reset the reset, not happening. And Larry starts just yelling at Sal and being pretty mean, actually. This is where sometimes I feel like uh, Larry David really is getting his frustrations out on people on this show. Yeah, he's like, you know, I listen to all your stories. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm the only person in this club that cares about you. He does. It gets so personal, man. Right? So biting and personal. Um, yeah. 
Okay. He needed to be said though. He needed to draw a line. He did. And sometimes, you know, I mean, he he's really there for one for well for two reasons. He's there to golf and eat. That's pretty much it. Golf, eat, and start shit. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so now we get to the reenactment, and this was great. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, just a fantastic. Um. It, it was really shot very well. I mean, everyone was dressed up. It was so well lit. It was outside. You know, it was great. I just really kind of got into that. We were at the reenactment, you know. And if people remember, by looking at it, um, I, I started picking up on it. And then we see later with the cannon, there was a, a Instagram shot that Larry David's daughter shared um, of, uh, him, like she was just kind of leaning next to the cannon. Like she didn't care. Do you remember this shot? It was passed around a lot. Uh, when, I don't. Yeah. So I, I, you know, they said that they were visiting because, you know, Larry David actually is a huge fan of this in real life. War reenactments. Yeah. Yeah. He like, and he visits like, um, historic, uh, battlefields. He like really likes it. Yeah. It's like an interest of his. Um, so people recognize that, but I thought this was really great. Uh, so, uh, um, Larry gets to meet, they meet Thomas Jefferson. They meet George Washington. (laughs) Larry's accent is pretty funny. Ben Franklin, right? <laughs> yeah, ben Franklin. Um, and uh, so then the reenactment happens. They're preparing to fight. Uh, Sal spots Larry, gets pissed off, and starts firing the cannon at him. This caused Victor to freak out. Larry explains the situation, but Victor is having like a PTSD episode. I thought it was actually kind of pretty scary, you know? Like they really shot this very well yeah i noticed that it was like real pyrotechnics and it was like like literally like four feet from their feet yeah it was good man and like also the um, chet hayes was really getting into it yeah he was good chet hayes is an actor um so larry and victor make their escape while sal leads a charge while like pushing people over which is pretty funny uh, and Victor's now freaking out. He's gone full bore. The Redcoats, the Redcoats. Um, then they're walking. So, and then they come out into like this parking lot, which I thought was kind of funny too, because while they were doing the reenactment, it was so real, you know? Um, Larry notices a car that says Mr. T on it. T as in golf T. And it's Mr. Tagahashi's car. Of course, he's making out with Ken's wife. Larry confronts them. The letter won't be necessary anymore. I'll see you at the club. And then as he's walking away, he says, I knew that baby looked a little Asian. <laughs> what did you think of this scene? Well, I just thought like immediately, I just was like, oh, I just thought, I just thought it was funny. This way they tied that back up. Um, it's like, it's his baby. <laughs> That's funny. Whoa. Something whooshed That's by my baby. That's your baby yeah. <laughs> coming in hot. Yeah. 
It's a loud day. It's a loud day in LA. People are like, "Oh my god, the sun's back out. We can we can start doing things again." We can take off our black clothes and and put on our uh, wool knit caps while it's ninety degrees out. Um, uh, that's funny you say that because I saw a guy last week here and it was like eighty degrees on and he had a toboggan out. I mean, what kind of asshole wears a toboggan in eighty-three degree weather? I don't know. Only in LA, baby, the cultural mecca of America. Uh, Victor and Larry, then Larry decides to go play golf. Uh, now why Larry hasn't recognized that this guy is going nuts is one thing, but it's Larry. So you kind of let it go. Uh, and Chet Hayes is really getting into it. Um, so they go and play golf. They see Randy, the new gate guy, and Larry lays down the law right from the beginning. Yeah. I like that. Which is, is you got He's got to do it. For his sake, it's a little weird. Like I was listening to a podcast this week and people were talking about curb and they were saying it is a little weird sometimes to see this super rich dude like treating service people badly. But that's the point of the show. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to like Larry. Um, <laughs> so. Now, the, now we have kind of the setup here where Victor starts seeing the valets as the redcoats. He starts chasing them around. And again, I have to give Chet Hayes some credit here. He's screaming, don't tread on me, motherfucker. (laughs) It's the redcoats. Larry's just kind of watching it in awe. I like this part. That was funny. Yeah, that was like so awesome how they tie that together. It was really good. Like the red coats and the valet. I mean, I just was like, oh my God. Well, because part of me in the beginning was like, why are they doing a civil, I mean, why aren't they doing a civil war reenactment? But because I've never heard of a revolutionary war reenactment. I've never heard of that. Really? I've only heard of civil, yeah, I've only heard of civil war reenactment. Okay, that's interesting. Well, see, I grew up, where I grew up in Jersey, there was a lot of revolutionary war battles. So they did. Uh, revolutionary war reenactments in my town i would say like once every five years they'd break it out and do the, i grew up in springfield new jersey they do the battle of springfield and washington's headquarters was in morristown which is about a 10 minute drive from my house uh, mm. so i was uh, I, I i always actually it's funny sean when i found out that people reenacted the civil war i was surprised yeah because it's like yes. You can get a little distance with the British thing, you know, even though the colonists were kind of British. But, but you know, but, uh, but, but with the Civil War, it's like you're going to dress up on the side of slavery. <laughs> Why do you want to cos? It's like, let's cosplay as Nazis. No, no, thank you. Yeah. Not today. Hey, people do it. People yeah, that's true. It. They people do. Still do it. <laughs> they do. I know, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> nothing uh, surprises me. Nothing. Nothing. What a country. Um, so now we get the kicker here. Larry's walking home in his whole outfit. I still dressed up, which I like this, this, I don't know. I think I like this better than, uh, buck fancy or whatever. Buck dancer. I think I like Larry better and Mm -hmm. he should keep this outfit on. He should break it out again this season. Um, Katie, uh, Aselton drives by, throws the mail, one of Leon's CD of the month club or book of the month club packages smacks Larry in the face. 
He falls on the ground. Leon walks out, just lamping. He says, welcome home, soldier. Thank you for your service. And then we cut. That was perfect. It was great. This oh, one this one got God. me again. This one got me again because he kind of looked at him for a second. For you know, he It was a great delivery. Yeah. It was it a was great perfect. delivery. So what do you think all in all about? You really like this episode, huh? I really liked it. Um, I'm not as enthusiastic because I just had so many night shifts in a row. But I actually just like it was one of the few episodes I found myself like just what? completely laughing out loud. Yeah, sorry about that. You, I don't you're know. under fire there, Sean? It's a duck and cover? But um, yeah, I just in general, I just thought it was freaking hilarious all the way around. And I just think that like, like, even like with the Chet Hayes or the commitment to the character, it was just kind of like, they were just really good themes. You know, I like the mail letter character, like at the end, especially when she was like, here's your mail, asshole, like, and just threw it at him. Like, man, I can relate to that. (laughs) This is a good episode, man. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. This is good. We got, so what are we? We're like halfway through the season now? Yeah. That's it. Halfway. Halfway. The podcast is going well. You having fun doing the pod, baby? I am, man. Actually, I wanted to let you know, too. I tweeted at Richard Lewis. Well, I didn't really tweet at him. I just tweeted online and mentioned him. I was like, I want a Richard Lewis original. Nothing. Didn't hear back. Ah, man. Didn't hear back. tough, dude. I know. I've... I've hey, tweeted I've tweeted at JB Smoove a bunch of times. Hey, come on the show. I've hey man, I've reached out to HBO PR. If anybody's listening, I'd love to have one of these people on the show to talk to him. See, this is mm-hmm. the type of show. It's funny because you know we do on the DVR podcast network. You know I do podcast Winterfell, and I covered Lost, and we had a really popular show. We did you know we've done a but we do Westworld. Um, and I'm just never one, like, there's so many, I've had people offer, actually, I remember there was a, a friend of the show who offered to, offered to get us Harold uh, Perrineau from Lost to come on. And I just, I'm never, I I always would rather speak, I could speak to a director or a writer, you know, but mm-hmm. I just, I I never have really tried to get any actors for any of the podcasts I've done. I've tried to get the writers and directors. I haven't been successful, but I haven't tried that hard. I'm not into doing interviews that much like that. But for this show, I really would love to because I feel like it's such a collaborative effort. You know, like, uh, I mean, like, because everybody who's in the scene owns it. So you can't say to some, no one's going to be like, well, I showed up on set. I delivered my lines. It was fun. But, and then you talk about what happened after, like you could really talk to them about how they improv, like the kind of philosophy they follow, you know, like the stuff we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So anybody listening wants to get us anyone from curb. I heard that Susie Essman was on a podcast last week. I'd love to talk to her. It'd be fun because it just seems like such a great, you know, it's like a play, you know, they're, they're just all getting yeah. together, you know, and that's not, that's why I think people in the, uh, outside of the industry don't get the difference between doing films and doing, um, uh, drama television that is shot on location and then, um, 
stuff that's comedies that are shot on stage, just the way that actors, directors, crew form communities differently, you know, because films are not like that. Like you could shoot five film, you could shoot a film and not talk to 90% of the actors in the film, you know, but when yeah. you're on something like curb, when you're in a scene, you're with all those people in the scene, you know, like you're really living it. You're creating with them, you know, and it just becomes, it just becomes like a family. Just really awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Cause like when you add layers to like an improv scene, it's really awesome. Cause it, you're just kind of building it. I mean, that's sort of why I like improv is cause like literally anything can happen. If you just kind of follow the rules yeah, I dig it's just it. Man. Fun. That's yeah. That's just a, fun. You, Sean, you should watch a great movie called The Five Obstructions. Um, mm. It's a, a a fantastic film, and it's basically about the idea that um, well, exactly what you're saying that by kind of giving yourself rules, you actually give yourself more freedom. You know, to to improv and create. Because you're working with, yeah. you feel it, it, it's almost a safety net, mm-hmm. you know, for the actor, the director, the artist. Uh, just a fantastic film. All right, everybody. Well, we've had a great uh, time talking about Curb again. We got through a little technical difficulties that you didn't even know about. We took a break. I won't, I bet you won't even be able to find it because it's editing <laughs> magic, motherfucker. Um, yeah, Sean, anything, uh, anything else you want to talk about or you want to take us out? I'll leave it to you, baby. All right. Well, thanks for having me on again. I thought all together the episode was pretty, pretty, pretty good.